bless us through from Revelation chapter 22. We'll just read these words uh, to start uh, our message today. So the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. And then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is God's Word. So are you prepared? You may be thinking of talking about Thanksgiving, and yes, historically, uh, Thanksgiving is one of the, the top preparation uh, holidays that is out there, whether it's meals or, or travel, right? It's, it's the most uh, traveled holiday uh, historically, and again, even, there, even though the fuel prices are high, they are predicting that this is going to be the record-setting travel. And so are you prepared uh, that maybe you're doing the traveling? Uh, there's lots of Johnnies and Susies w- willing to fight through the, the, the busy airports and the bumper-to-bumper traffic. But as much as it's the people that are traveling that are maybe anticipating something this week, it's also the, the others who are receiving them. And maybe you have people coming to your house, and you're, you're preparing, right? You're doing all this stuff uh, to get ready, and, and the anticipation is high, all right, I'm going to pick on Vicar. Vicar's fiance is coming this week, so I bet you he is anticipating uh, his his fiance coming to town. He'll probably can't wait for that text that says just landed, right? Or he's probably going to watch her flight path all the way from Chicago uh, to here uh, this week, and and so you you do those things where, where where whether it's a fiance or a loved one or maybe there's going to be lots of kids with their noses pressed up against the windows just waiting for grandpa and grandma uh, to pull into the driveway lots of things to prepare well Jesus today Jesus talks about uh, preparation of having of 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 being anticipating his return Over the last few weeks, we've looked at the last chapters of Revelation, and we've seen Jesus paint these beautiful pictures. You know, what is heaven like, and and who's all going to be there? And that's already raised our, our anticipation. But today, I don't know if you caught it, not once, not twice, but three times in these last verses of Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, he says, I'm coming soon. No ETA. No flight path that we can watch, but he just says, I'm coming soon. Not knowing exactly when he's coming, I think that raises the anticipation even higher. I mean, if grandpa and grandma say, hey, we'll be there at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, at 2.30, you know, you're really anticipating, you're really preparing, uh, getting everything ready. But if they just said, hey, we're showing up sometime on Wednesday, then your anticipation, your preparation just steps it up more. Well, well, Jesus, 
Jesus just says, I'm coming soon. So how do we prepare? You know, if it's Thanksgiving, okay, we've got it down. You're maybe thawing the turkey, you're brining the turkey, you're maybe getting the guest room ready, you're, you're maybe mapping out your, your Black Friday shopping spree. But that's for what? To spend 24 hours or maybe a weekend with family? How do you prepare? A little bit bigger question. How do you prepare to spend eternity with your brother Jesus? Well, thankfully, he doesn't just say, you guys figure it out. Uh, he, he tells us these words today, really the key verse we're going to look at today is this one where he says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Keep the word. What does that look like? You know, just looking at that verb, keep, uh, some of you can can maybe relate to this more than I can. You are more experienced here in, in Reno. But, I, you know, I think of it, what happens when, when some of you have been forced to evacuate your homes, right? And, and when that happens, what do you do? Uh, you have to prioritize. I, I, I know, I mean, we're novice to this uh, still, but maybe a few years ago when there was the fires on Peavine, you know, we could see the flames from our house, and we were in no imminent danger, but... Being new here, like, all right, so what did I do? I took out my phone, and I, I took a, quickly took a picture of all the stuff in our house, took an inventory of those things. But, but then we also kind of put some things into the Honda just in case, and, and we couldn't take everything. Uh, we had to decide. We had to prioritize. What are we going to keep? Well, Jesus tells us very clearly in his word, especially when we're talking about the end, he says, you know what? The flames are coming. The flames of judgment are coming. And he says, don't bother pulling out your phones and taking an inventory of your stuff. It doesn't matter. You know, that TV in that living room or that OHV in the garage or the RV in storage, let them burn. They are worthless. As he makes it very clear throughout Scripture that there's only one thing worth keeping, one thing that worth holding on to, and that's, that's the word. Look what it says here. He says, blessed is the one who keeps the word. Because it's only the word that points us to Jesus. It's only the word, therefore, that keeps us from burning. From burning in hell. So what does this look like? To keep the word. To hold on to it. I mean, this is where we can maybe use the illustration that we had for the kids. Is that that it is, it is like a, a running back holding on to the football, that, that, that God doesn't want us just to, to hold it out there, just kind of dangling up, but to hold on to it tightly. And, and why is that so important? Because there are so many opponents that are, that are trying to, to scratch it away from us, to, to try to get it out uh, from our, our clutches. And, and maybe we just think the opponents are the ones that are out there. Uh, you know, the, the big old nasty heathen world, they're the ones that are trying to take the word away from us. Yeah, that's true. But some of the biggest opponents that maybe want to keep us away from the word aren't just out there. Sometimes they're right here, 
And sometimes they're right here. The way we think and the way we feel about things. You know, I, I just look at how we, how myself included, uh, how we talk sometimes about God's word and keeping. We'll, we'll maybe say things like this. We'll say like, you know what? Well, I think this is what it says here. Or I feel this is what it means there. Or even when we talk about, you know, if, if we're ever looking for a church, if we're shopping around for a church, we might say things like this. We might say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just looking for a church that teaches what I believe. Or I'm, I'm looking for a church that makes me feel good. You play some of those scenarios out. I mean, those phrases can be taken correctly. But they can quickly skew the emphasis. Do you want a church that teaches what you think? Or do you want a church that teaches the Word of God that changes the way that you think? Do you want a church that makes you feel good? Or do you want a church that defines what good is? You understand the difference? Now, I am not saying that we have to have a, a clear grasp on, on every teaching of the Bible, 100% to every T crossed and every I dotted. Uh, truth of the, and I'm not saying this just as an excuse for me, uh, but the truth of the matter is there are some portions of God's Word that I can't fully grasp yet. Right? And, and it's hard for me to get my arms around. Part of it's my own limitations. Uh, part of it's just timing. Part of it's what the Bible says about itself. Uh, the Bible says, you know what? There are portions of God's word that are hard to understand. Uh, some of it's described as meat. Some of it's described as milk. And, and maybe we can handle the milk, but we can't always handle the meat. And, and maybe that's just God's way of keeping us digging. Right? If it was all Dr. Zeus, you would stop reading it. All right, Green eggs and ham, I get it, I get it, I get it. And so God gives us some, some things that we need to keep on, on digging into the Word. But there's a difference between humbly saying, you know what, I maybe just don't get this quite yet, I, got, I need to keep on studying, I, I think this is what it means here. Versus digging in my heels and saying, well, I think this is what it means, or I feel this is what it says. Instead of saying, thus says the Lord. You know, it's, can I have the football for an illustration? You throw it, I'll catch it. All right? You know, it's, I mean, so it's, it, it's similar. So if, if here's my thoughts, if here's my feelings, and, and here's what God's word says, it's so easy to say, well, instead of we're humbly saying, thus says the Lord, then I'll put my, my feelings and my thoughts, they'll, they'll submit to God's law. God's law is always on top. If I hold it like this, I have a much better chance of holding on to this ball than if I say, well, my thoughts and my feelings are going to be on top of God's word. This is in charge. Now I'm going to drop it a lot easier, whereas if I have it underneath. And, and that's, here you go. Um, and that's what God says here. He says, if you want to be prepared, 
if you want to be prepared for, for Jesus to come back, it's to, to keep that word. To, to hear what, to hear, to, to have this attitude that, that God's word is number one in our life. I, there, are, there are many, many ways to know who God is. We, we talk about, we just talked about this in one of our starting point classes. But we start sometimes talk about the natural knowledge of God. Uh, meaning I look at nature. And, and, and what happens is I look at nature. Oh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Yes, that's awesome. But it doesn't necessarily tell me who God is. If I just look at nature, I come away with this idea, man, there must be somebody powerful out there, someone wise, someone who can creative, who can make all this stuff. But there's limitations. That natural knowledge of God that we have can't tell me about my Savior. You know, I can look at nature, yeah, I can say, there's, there's a God out there, or I can, I can listen to my conscience, which is also the natural knowledge of God. The fact that we all have this, this somewhat understanding that there's a, there's a universal right or wrong, and, and if I do wrong, I'm going to have to pay for it, I'm going to get punished. But that doesn't tell me who Jesus is. You know, I can look, stand here and look at that tree all day and marvel at somebody made that. But I'll never say, well, you know what? I'll never, that will never teach me about the tree of the cross that someone paid for my sins. Or I can look at a huge boulder, you know, when people go out in the desert, and you look at these huge stones, and I can marvel at how that stone got there or how it was formed. But I'll never come to the conclusion that there was a stone that was rolled away from a tomb one day, assuring me that, that victory is mine over death. I can stare at the beautiful heavens, but looking at the clouds all day will never, never teach me how heaven is mine through Jesus. Which is why we need to hear this from Jesus over and over and over again. Keep the word. Keep the word because it is ultimately it is only the word that prepares us for the end. It is only the word that prepares us for Jesus' second coming. And ultimately, isn't that what it's all about? Being prepared for the end and not all the stuff that happens in between? Oh, it's so easy to get caught up about this, right? I mean, again, you look at this week. I, I've heard numerous phone conversations this week about who's bringing the corn and who's bringing the rolls and who's making the appetizers. And, and we have all that stuff going on. And then, you, well, what's the weather going to be like? And what time are you arriving? And where are you going to stay? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you have all these preparations that are going on. Or who are you going to invite? Or are you going to be invited? Uh, you know, even if we're, you know, there, there's so much. But life Life isn't about preparing for the things here, ultimately. It's about being prepared for the last day. And that's what Revelation 21 and 22 really helps us do. As it, as it maybe helps us take a step back and be more big picture type of people. 
instead of getting caught up in all this stuff, how are you prepared for the end? And I think one thing that I've really appreciated about uh, Revelation t- uh, 22, the last chapter of the Bible, the, uh, this time I've studied, is just how it really brings everything full circle for the whole Bible. I mean, you, you look at the beginning of the Bible, you know, Genesis chapters 1 and Genesis chapter 2, it talks about how, how God, uh, you know, made the world, and you got these beautiful pictures of perfection, and you've got, you've got trees, and you've got rivers, and then you, you go to Revelation 22, and what do you have? You have a perfect new world, and you've got trees, you've got the tree of life, and you've got the rivers, and but you go back to that, that, that first chapter of the Bible, and it's not just the tree of life. We also have another tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and God sets it aside as a special tree and says, don't eat of it. Why does he do that? Not just to flex his muscles, say, I'm God, and you're not, and you better listen to me and do what I say. But he's really addressing the spiritual needs of his people. He says, hey, we've got a great relationship. He's forging a relationship, and you want to show how much I'm worth to you? Okay, listen to me. Don't eat of that tree over there. He's really addressing their spirit. That, that tree, you could say, was their first church. It was a way to worship God. And then you fast forward, and, and when, when God sends this flood and basically wipes the earth clean, what's the first thing that Noah and his family do is they step off the boat. Vicar shared this with us in a message a few weeks ago. First thing they do is they worship God. And then you fast forward again, and God reestablishes his relationship with his people after he rescues them after years in slavery. And, and here the, he calls up their leader Moses on top of a mountain, and he says, let's get this all written down. And they, they, he writes these commandments, and what's the very first commandment? What's well, right at the top, worship God. You know, you shall have no other gods, just worship God. And then you fast forward to the time of Jesus, which is really the, the high point of the Bible. And when Jesus steps into public ministry as our Savior, and, and, and as soon as he does that, the, the devil comes to him and, and, and just tempts him with all these things, wanting to get Jesus to fall flat on his face because the devil knows if Jesus falls flat on his face, the devil wins. And so he says, Jesus, just fall down on your face before me. You can have all this other stuff that you get worried about if you just fall down and worship me. And what does Jesus say? Uh-uh. The Bible says worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. And then you get to Revelation. And, and here you see John gets this beautiful picture of heaven, and he gets a picture of everything that's going to be there. And he, almost out of instinct, he falls down to worship the messenger, worship the angel. What does the angel say? Uh-uh. Right? I'm just, I'm just like you. I'm just a servant. But worship God. That's what we're going to be doing there. And if that's what we're going to be doing there, what's the best way to prepare? Is to do it here. And so really, those are the two steps, right? The best ways to prepare is to to keep the word and to worship God. To have this relationship with him where we see that he is ultimately the only the most important relationship that you and I have. You know, every Sunday, uh, my routine is so we have church here, we worship, and then I usually have a class afterwards, so I get home around noon. And one of the first things I do is I pull out my laptop and I put it on the counter, and then I, I mark everybody who is here, all right? 
Take attendance. You say, what? He takes attendance? Um, I do. I do. Why? Why do I do that? Uh, is it so I can give you grades, you know? And, oh, you missed two weeks in a row. Doc's your grade. No, don't worry about that. All right? Jesus has already won for you a perfect report card. You're all getting A's. Okay? Um, so why do I do it? Is it because I have to report uh, to, let's call them our investors? There are our, our national church body and locally, whether it's Shepherd of the Mountains, our local congregation, or our national church body, they're investing in us financially. And so do I have to report? To, I actually do have to report to them. But I don't have to report to them who's here. I just have to give them a head count every week. So, so why do I go through and, and actually check the boxes for every person here? Is it because, well, there is one reason. Maybe it could be that if you're not here consistently, maybe it's an opportunity, a little heads up for me or someone else to send you maybe a little text or a word of encouragement to reach out to you. You know, to, and that's, there's so many biblical grounds for that. Uh, you know, you, maybe it's like we do need to be called to repentance once. Maybe we get caught up in all this other stuff. Once in a while, we need to hear the angel say to us, like he, or, or we need someone to say to us, like the angel said to John, hey, worship God. Or just that word of encouragement to say, you know what, we miss you. And, and you bring so much to other people's worship just by being here, even if you don't get anything out of it. I sure like worshiping with 50 people more than I like worshiping with seven people on our first Sunday here, Right? It adds to it, not that I didn't like seven people, but it adds to it um, just to have people growing and worshiping together. But ultimately, the best reason to check those boxes is really Thanksgiving. Not talking about Turkey Day here, but to rejoice how God has worked in your hearts. You know, I remember a professor uh, saying to us today, he said, there are going to be days that you go home from worship and you are just going to be in a mad, bad mood and you're going to lament that so-and-so wasn't there this week or so-and-so wasn't there. And on all these, you're going to have expectations that, that people didn't come and you're going to be upset. And our professor says, shame on you. Instead of lamenting who's not there, be amazed and rejoice that who is there. Because by nature, none of us want to worship God. And yet, as I check those names, I'm able to see, wow, look at the difference that God has made in that person's life that they thought it was worth their time and energy and fuel and whatever else to get there and worship God today. This is no small thing that's happening here today. It is no small thing that I think it's 190 unique individuals have worshipped within these walls this year. It's no small thing that I didn't count you yet, but 52 of you are here today. It's no small thing 
that you are here today. Thank God that he has worked in your heart, that the word has worked in your heart, so that you want to worship today. And then celebrate. Celebrate because as you worship God, what are you doing? It is only one of many ways that you are holding on to the word, that you are keeping the word. And as you keep the word, you will find that you are prepared. You are prepared as this word continues to point you to Jesus. And then on the last day, when Jesus comes back, you'll see. You'll see what Jesus means when he says, blessed. Blessed are those who keep these words of the prophecy because these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Amen. Please stand.